just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Life Today Live. Great to have you here, and we're going to we're going to talk about some stuff today, and you, if you've watched for any period of time, you know that I am not one of those uh, who has a, a theological view that we should just shut up and sit down and go hide and wait for heaven later. I think we're here to be that salt and light in the earth, to take God's kingdom to every sphere of man's kingdoms, and that includes the culture, includes politics, includes education. So we're going to talk about that. However, we are facing a situation that I, you know, in my 52 years, um, does seem to be kind of escalating into uh, a, a bit of a, a fight. Uh, and, and I think as Christians, it's good for us to, to, to fight for what's right. We just have to fight in the right way, recognizing that our enemy is not flesh and blood, but it's spirits, it's, it's ideas that stand in the way of, of God. Yet, uh, the culture wants to shut us down. So, this is the book, The Silencing of the Lambs. Love the title, love the artwork. Uh, and it is out now, doing well. It's written by Dr. Michael Brown, who is uh, a great friend of life today. Uh, he's a contributor for the stream, which uh, is, they sit right over here by my office, stream.org. He's also the host of a radio show called The Line of Fire that's syndicated all over the U.S. And I, he is a writing machine, uh, and this is, a, this is a guy, if you don't know Dr. Brown, you're going to enjoy today. He's one of my favorite people to uh, talk about things with, to even debate, even though he can kick my butt in any kind of debate any day of the week. It's still fun, uh, and I'm glad he's here, Dr. Brown. <laughs> Welcome back to Life Today Live. Uh, oh, great to be with you, Randy. We're, we'll probably be in, a, in substantial agreement today, but we'll have to debate something another day. I, I love sparring with you also. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's great. I, I have to I have to study a little more. I talked to somebody recently that you debated on uh, eschatology, and I thought, I'd love to have that debate. I'm just not ready. I'm like, I need, I need a little spring training. But anyway, um, today we're going to talk about, uh, again, your latest book, The Silencing the Lambs. Um, I guess... My kids may not get the reference, but I, I love the reference right there. But what you're talking about is not the Hannibal Lecter movie. You're talking about the church being muzzled. Give us a little overview of what you're seeing in the culture that made you want to write this kind of book. Yeah, I'm, I'm not one of those chicken little types to run around saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling. I'm not one of those paranoid people. It's, it's all over. There's nothing we can do. I'm full of hope. I'm full of confidence in the Lord. I'm also a realist. And it's been clear uh, in recent decades that there has been more and more of a turning against fundamental gospel values, turning against the Bible, turning against God in our larger culture. You mentioned 52 years of life. So I've, I've been in the Lord now 50 years, and I've never seen it like this. Uh, the attempt to silence us, to muzzle us, even to cancel us, if, if, you, if you get on Twitter today and make a simple statement that Bruce Jenner will always be a male, you, you lose your platform on Twitter. You think, how in the world did that happen? Florida passes a bill just saying no talk about sexual orientation or gender identity to kids kindergarten through third grade. 
What outrage, outrage all over the country. The mayor of New York saying, hey, uh, come to New York. We're much more friendly towards gays here. You think, what? what are we, we're just talking about don't talk to a five-year-old about sexual orientation. That creates a firestorm. And, and who is it that's standing with the radical left? Disney, the, yeah. the, the children's channel. So things have gotten so turned upside down. That's just one example. But if you dare push back against the prevailing narrative, you're a bigot. You're a hater. There was just a case that was dropped, thankfully, because I don't think it was going to do too well. But the fact the case existed at all, there was a young lady in grad school at a university began to share her Christian views with other students. They considered it a microaggression. Mm. They considered it hate speech. And, and her status in the university uh, came into question. She had to hire Christian attorneys to fight for her. And then the case was dismissed. But just think of that. You're talking with other students. You share your Christian views. Now that's branded hate speech. And on and on it goes from every quarter. I document in Silencing of the Lambs the, the current state of things on our universities, where, where you have these microaggressions and safe zones where people can come and not, not be assaulted with differing beliefs. And, and you have campuses like Harvard, one of the, the most elite universities in the world, and it's about five, well, less than 1% or roughly 1% of the faculty identifies as conservative. 1%. You have other schools where the ratio of liberal faculty to conservative is 120 to zero, you know, in smaller elite schools. Think how in the world did this happen? Well, with this shift, what's happened is those who claim to be tolerant are utterly intolerant of other views. Those who speak of exclusivity or being inclusive mean we are exclusive of other views except our own. Those who speak of diversity really mean my way or the highway. Those are the realities. And the ones that have a target on their back like nobody else are Christian conservatives. Is it just me being a little paranoid or reading selective news would probably be more likely. But it seems like the one group that it's okay to treat harsher than any other, you know, segment and group, however we call people, are Christians. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen that now and been documenting it for quite a few years that people would say, why should I be tolerant of the KKK? Why should I re be respectful of a Nazi? And we have been branded Nazis and KKK because of our biblical values. And with the, with the storming of the Capitol on January 6th, the left now had its, its, its powerful weapon to say, ah, you are all white supremacists, insurrectionists who want to overthrow America. It's like, hang on, I love Jesus. I love the Bible. I'm trying to raise my family and, and hold on to godly values. Suddenly, I become a white supremacist terrorist. Or, or think of it, the, the government was going to investigate parents who spoke up at school board meetings protesting a radical agenda in the schools wanted to list them as domestic terrorists. So once you paint people in that light, you're an insurrectionist, you're a white supremacist, you're a Nazi, you're a KKK, you're a domestic terrorist. People like you don't deserve sympathy or tolerance. That's how the narrative oh. has shifted. We yeah. have become the haters and the bigots, and therefore we are worthy of receiving hatred and bigotry. That's the narrative. I, I, was, I was talking to um, uh, a young woman in her 20s, uh, about this sort of thing and she is a christian girl i mean good you know conservative all, all these things and she kind of shook her head and said 
I don't know about all that. I, I, I know where she's getting her news sources or not getting her news sources, so I recognize that there's uh, some omission there. My question for you is, is this isolated, rare cases that we just blow up and make into these big deals, or is this, is this happening? Well, how much is this happening? It's systemic. The fact that there's outrage over getting LGBT activist curriculum out of kindergartens there's an outrage over removing it yeah. tells you this is systemic. The fact that on campus after campus uh, across America, it's documented that conservative professors are concerned about raising their views lest they, they won't get their tenure mm. or things like that, that students are afraid to speak up. Look, wh when you get anecdote after anecdote after anecdote confirmed by academic survey, mm. then you know it is systemic. One young lady, maybe in her 20s, was taught early 20s, was saying she she went to a very liberal school, grad school in California, and was in a very liberal department. And she said every class at the beginning of the semester, they go around the class and ask what's your what's your preferred gender pronoun, your PGP. <laughs> you, you have to say it. If you don't say it, you are now going to be excluded. I had a colleague, a computer programmer for one of the biggest companies in America, Bank of America, and he told me they are pushing us out systematically. He said, the handwriting's on the wall. First, they would give you an opportunity in the overall workplace to identify as gay and that would list that as part of your work history. Then they pushed further, are you an ally? And he said, anybody in any mm. company can now click to see if you didn't register as gay yourself, if you didn't register as an ally, then you were one to be overlooked. He said, I got squeezed out of the company. Wow. I could go on and on. Again, it's documented in devastating fashion in the book. And, and to be honest, Randy, you mentioned me writing a lot. So normally, by the time a book comes out with a regular publisher, it's about nine to 12 months from when you initially submitted it, and then you, you update it as much as you can along the way. But for me, that means I've written one or two other books before it comes out, or more, and hundreds of articles. So I like to refocus on the book as it's about to come out. And what I've done in recent years is I will buy the audio version of my own book and listen to someone else reading it. And the thing that's wild is as I'm hearing it, it's almost like for the first time, I'm like, whoa, that's <laughs> intense. So I put it together, but there's so much going on. Look, when, when Senator Ted Cruz has to ask uh, leaders from Twitter that who gave them the right to censor the words of Mother Teresa and to brand her words as hate speech, you know the world has turned upside down. And that's why I quote in the Silencing of the Lambs, people from Bill Maher, to Miley Cyrus, all of whom are speaking up against cancel culture because they see the thing has gone too far. There's no mercy, there's no redemption, there's no restoration. I find something that you did that was mildly inappropriate 15 years ago, yeah. now you're banned and branded for life. Yeah. So the good news is that things have gone so far that the destructive nature of this movement is becoming clearer and clearer. The bad news is, we're sunk pretty deep already. And, and a lot of our fundamental rights are being threatened. We wake up now, we have to apologize to our kids and our grandkids. Yeah, and I think that's the motivation uh, for a lot of us is what do we wanna leave? Do we, you know, we, you and I grew up in a place where it was easy to be a Christian. You know, we had churches on, on every corner. You could put a bumper sticker on your car that said something about God and nobody freaked out uh, or slashed your tires. Uh, now you may not get a job 
just by identifying that way. Uh, and, and it's definitely a concern. I want to show people this website. This is where you can get all of Dr. Brown's books. The website is drbrownbooks.com, and certainly you can pick up the silencing of the lambs. And I'm pointing that out because we're just scratching the surface here. You know, we're not we're not even getting into all the things. But I, I have to ask you this question because <laughs> we hear this term cancel culture, and it, and it's I don't know. I I sometimes flinch at it because it's like it's a sales line. Sometimes there's somebody you and I both know who's like I've been canceled. I've been canceled by my product. By my product. And, and so it, it can be worn out. What is cancel culture in your definition and how big of a problem is it for the average, you know, working person? Yeah. So num- number one, this goes beyond marginalizing someone, demonizing someone. This tries to disappear them to use that verb, the way it's used say in communist countries. Yeah. In, in other words, remove the person's platform, remove opportunities for this person to move forward in life, blacklist them. So you effectively cancel their voice, cancel their effectiveness. They may continue as persons who exist, but they have no platform to get their message out, no future in their, in their job market and things like that. So it has gone further than it's gone in the past. The second thing is it, it is being noticed by those that we wouldn't normally think of as allies, like Bill Maher, for example, notoriously Mm -hmm. irreligious, atheist, God-mocking Bill Maher, (laughs) that he's talked about it. He's had on his show Barry Weiss. Barry Weiss is a lesbian feminist, quote, married to her partner. She is a millennial and would be leftist in her political views. She was working for the New York Times and when she found that airing a different opinion, that remember, we're not talking about Tucker Carlson and Fox News working right. at the New York Times, we're talking about Barry Weiss, that she was so demonized and, and, and painted like a Nazi that she had to expose the whole thing and resign and has now gotten a major national platform because of it. She refers to it as social murder. Hmm. And, and third, as I said, what's unique about this is it's not just demonizing and marginalizing, but there is no restoration or redemption in it. Uh, So Nick Cave, uh, again, not a believer, to my knowledge, singer, songwriter, Mm -hmm. Nick Cave called cancel culture mercy's antithesis. Mm -hmm. So there is no mercy in this. It's one thing, and we've been seeing this for years to demonize us. And look, Jesus said we'd be demonized. He was demonized, he was called Beelzebub, right? This Satan himself. So we're going to be demonized. That's always been there. But this goes further. So so you don't have someone like Sarah Silverman. She is an irreverent Jewish comedian, and she's about to get a new movie role. It's found out that 10 or 15 years earlier, hanging out with some people, she did some blackface thing, realized, oh, that's that's offensive to people. That's inappropriate. I won't do it again. Oh, no, but you did it. You did it once. Hmm. Therefore, you are blemished for life, and she loses that role. So when the world is affected by it, how much more is the church affected by it? So I've I've had friends and colleagues that had major jobs or TV opportunities and were canceled, not because of anything they said in the workplace, but because their own privately held views were, were against the sacrosanct political correct narrative and therefore they got canceled. Yeah, and, and yet it seems to be a one-way street because you can be Jim, Jimmy Kimmel who did blackface 
multiple times, <laughs> Carl Malone, <laughs> years ago. Uh, or you can be the governor of, of Virginia. And, yeah. and in, in what he did was even worse. But I, that's part of what drives me nuts is, is the it, it's clearly not about what they say it's about as much as it is about political power. Am I getting to the heart of it? Yeah, th- think of it like this. And, and pushing against the status quo and the norm and the standard. So think of this. The same people that were, many of the same people who were so passionate for civil rights and, and were so concerned about black Americans, now when it comes to gay rights versus civil rights, oh, gay rights tr- trumps that any day of the week. No problem with that. So you can be a deaf woman, the first deaf woman in history to earn a PhD. She gets it at Gallaudet University, which is considered to be the premier school for the deaf in America. She is the greatly loved diversity officer there. It is discovered by a gay newspaper that she and her husband, while in their home church, signed a petition saying, we would like to get to vote on the issue of same-sex, quote, marriage. Don't let the politicians vote. We would like to vote. Because of that, she was suspended from her job. Jeez. Well, wait, hang on. She's a woman. She's black. She's deaf. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The, the new thing is gay rights. Oh, now hang on. Many of the same people who fought so much for women's rights, we care about women. This is so important to us, right? Yeah. So now you have Will, quote, Leah Thomas, a biological male competing against females. And who do they stand with? They stand with him. Yeah. Not with the women. So it's it's not so much the issue and the people. It's it's pushing further. It's this further takeover. You know, some would even say it's it's imposing communist ideologies. It sounds radical and extreme, but it's that takeover. That's the key thing. The takeover and the pushing against the norm. And that's what is going to drive the left further and further to the left. Our solution is not to go further to the right. Our solution is to be biblical. You know, someone asked me, do I believe in civil disobedience? I said, I believe in biblical obedience. (laughs) That my ultimate submission is to God and his will. And if that means going against the tide of the culture, so be it. So the big problem is that the church has not been shining its light adequately. I expect the world to be worldly. I expect sinners to sin. I'm not expecting Hollywood to put out the most God-glorifying Bible-based movies in history because that's not, for the most part, why Hollywood is here. What, what grieves me, what surprises me when the, is when the church isn't the church, when we're not shining our light. Look, I'm often on the road. I check into a hotel. I get in there at night. The room's dark. I flip on the light. Nothing happens. I don't get mad at the darkness. The darkness is just being. It's doing what it always does. I'm wondering, what's the matter with the light? Mm. And that's, that's a big part of the silencing of the lambs. <clears throat> in fact, the whole second half of the book is here's what we can do to make a difference. Here's how we take up the cross and swim against the tide and go against the grain. Here's how we can make a difference. If we fix the light, America can be changed. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, Better to light a candle than to curse the darkness, right? Yes, sir. What is the balance in your mind of grace and truth? Because we need both. We need both fully, not, not one, not a little bit of one, a little more of the other. Uh, But you, 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 you and I have both been around long enough that we've seen particular cultural battles where Christians come in as the truth bearers and they just beat people over the head with the truth uh, and it becomes um, weaponized uh, and, and you're, you're like uncomfortable with it as a Christian because you're like something's missing here and I think that's, that's the grace. Um, 
the the pastor up in uh, New York City, uh, and I'm blanking on his name, uh, uh, A.R. Bernard, said that, that it's grace that gets us into the sinner's world, but it's the truth that gets them out. And, and I mm. love the positioning of that because it shows the importance of both. How do we, how do we hold to the truth and, and have the, the kind of grace where we're not overbearing and a clanging gong, you know, the, the love that has to be with it? Yeah, so it's a matter of God having our heart and our mind. We really love people. We really care about people. Yeah. We really want what's best for them. And we know what's best for them is the truth. When it comes, comes to LGBT issues, the way God laid it on my heart 18 years ago was reach out and resist. Reach out to the people with compassion, mm-hmm. resist the agenda with courage. That's so good. there's an agenda that I believe is destructive and that I wanna expose, but I care about the people involved. And, and I look at it like this, if I hadn't seen you for a while, it's during the summer, I pat you on the back, good to see you, and you jump, it's like, oh! What happened? I barely tapped it. Yeah, I was on the beach yesterday. I got badly sunburned. Okay, so what I did, I thought was fine, but based on your own sensitivity, it hurt you. Many that we're dealing with have experienced a lot of rejection, a lot of hatred. Maybe they were battered in a church. Maybe they were in one of those abominable places saying God hates fags and those kind of messages. And, And they're super sensitive. If I just come, well, the Bible says, and, and I'm just going to, if you don't listen, I'm going to quote it louder in, in King James and in, in bold caps. I'm going to print it like that. All I'm doing is driving that person away. Yeah. If I say, tell me your story. Right. What happened in your own life? Right. Take a genuine interest in the person and then say, hey, here's why I differ with the agenda. I, I've had these conversations. I've sat with people literally with tears running down my cheeks. And they said, oh, okay, I can see that you care about me. We have some differences. I can see that you care about me. The other thing to, to think of is this. A friend recently reminded me of a Thomas Sowell quote. He basically said this. When we tell people the truth, we tell them what they need to hear. When we tell them what they, excuse me, when, when, when we tell people the, the truth, then we're thinking about what's best for them. When we tell people what they want to hear, we're thinking about what's best for us. So I know that the ways of Jesus are the best. I know that, the, that God who made us set the standard. He, 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 he sent the, the manual along with, with, the, with the, the machine. So he knows how things run best and function best in an optimal way. I know that, therefore I'm gonna speak the truth, but it's because I love people. I tell everyone, if you're gonna get involved in any kind of activism in these ways, first pray that God would give you a fresh baptism of love mm-hmm. for those you're gonna differ with. And, and then people can feel it. If, if they cut us, we should bleed love. That should be who we are. And then out of that, what does love do? Love speaks the truth. First Corinthians 13, love rejoices in the truth. And, and these things should be so merged together in our lives that, that they come naturally. I think just to restate another, those are all great, great points. Absolute truth. To restate another thing that I, I heard you say, if you feel like you need to speak to somebody, I think the first thing you should go in and do is listen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's huge now. Okay. So that's one ditch on one side is, is the, you know, the God hates fags kind of Westboro Baptist approach, which is yeah really bad. The other ditch on the other side of the road that I, I, I do know we're seeing is, well, I mean, I got, I got married in the United Methodist church and they just had a, a big denominational split and it's over the gauge. We're seeing, the church embraced the world's agenda 
in mm-hmm. cases as well, or just kind of having just this kind of squishy faith, this kind of not hot or cold, want to spew them out of my mouth kind of faith that they're presenting. Um, what are you seeing? Are you seeing some of that? Is or am I just a little hyper? Oh no, no, it's yeah. getting louder and clearer, and has been for years. First, pastors and leaders just didn't want to address issues like this because they're too controversial. Right. I remember seeing, you know, major national leader on TV being interviewed. And when it was done, I thought, I have no idea what you believe. You were asked point blank questions <laughs> and you were just like some spiritual politician. I have no clue what you believe. Right. You've got millions of people following you. You have a moral responsibility to them. Randy, when I'm asked to speak at a church, and there are many things, they may have me speak on Israel, they may have me speak on some apologetics issue, they may have me just preach on revival. But when I'm asked to speak on, on LGBTQ plus 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 related issues, and I do invariably, there is a long line of people waiting to talk to me at the end of the meeting, tears streaming down their cheeks with every type of horror story, every imaginable story you could think of. I, I mean, from kids to grandparents, uh, agonizing stories to the point I sometimes go back to my hotel room shaken with pain after what I've heard with all these broken lies. I'm thinking, You've been there all the time. Why weren't you being helped? Mm-hmm. Why wasn't this being addressed in your church ready? Mm-hmm. Why, why weren't there people saying, hey, let's speak to this? And, and then the, the step that's even worse is now the justifying of things and the rewriting of the Bible. It's the same thing. In fact, my, my new article on the stream today is on this very issue. The danger of creating a God in our own image and, and, and then creating a gospel in our own image. So Jesus practiced inclusion, but it was transformational inclusion. He said, come to me as you are, and I will change you. The, the woke church preaches a gospel of affirmational inclusion. Hey, just the way you are, that's the way I made you, and I want you to stay like that. There is no reason for the cross then. Jesus didn't die for us because we were such cool people. He wanted to make us even cooler. No, it's because we were lost. By our very nature, we were rebels, every one of us, and we needed redemption. You say, well, I've always been a certain way. Jesus says, you must be born again. He came to give us new life. And, and you even have, things have shifted so dramatically. It used to be, well, the Bible's just completely outdated. You know, the gay activists and theologians don't believe it. Paul was a bigot and, and Moses was a homophobe. Just forget that stuff. And then it became, okay, look, you have your religious views, but we're going to live the way we live because we don't accept your religion. Okay. Then it came to, no, 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 you're wrong. The Bible supports our lifestyles. The Bible yeah. supports our relationship. Right. That's how much things have twisted. Right. I, you know, uh, where, where, where Paul warns Timothy about the day that will come when, when leaders will forbid people to marry, right? So, you know, enforce celibacy on Christian leaders and things like that. They say, you see, that's you. You're, for, you're not letting us marry, you think. Talk about turning scripture upside right, down. Right. And, and Jesus is either presented as being gay himself or affirming it, hey, you go party, you know, you go for it. The most perverted, twisted reading of scripture you can imagine. Why? Because the light has not been shining. So the darkness has become more pervasive. Yeah, I, I do I do think we're going to see, especially with the, the transgender stuff that's going on with children right now, I think they're, they're going to be some reaping what's being sown right now. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, when you get 10, 15, 20 years down the road and you've got a lot of physically messed up kids who were, you know, told by their school counselor, just get this shot uh, and don't tell your parents and you can be who you, you know, really are. 
the damage that's going to do, they're going to have a have a place to go, and that place better be the church. Yeah, and and on the one hand, it's tragic that it's going to take that, yeah. that it's going to take abused and mutilated children, children who are sterilized for life, fifteen year old girls who say. Why do they have a mastectomy? Why yeah. on earth did, right. did I do that? I was so sure I was really a boy, and that's what the counselors told me. It's it's utterly shameful yeah. that it's come to that. It's shameful that our medical profession in America is still endorsing this, and that the president of the United States is actively fighting for it. You've got yeah. you've got major countries, very liberal countries, and it's, you know, Scandinavia, and others, and they're saying, slow down, slow down this whole thing. We don't recommend this for children anymore, and on and on it goes. It's a little late to that party when you so pushed it and endorsed it. The other thing is though, I could understand someone saying, look, my, my cousin Billy is gay. He's a really cool kid. Mm -hmm. He and Bobby have been best friends for years. They love each other. Why don't you recognize the relationship now that you're married? Okay, I can understand the logic behind it. I utterly reject it for many reasons, mm -hmm. but I understand it. The same person who's trying to be tolerant and loving, they didn't sign up for a 15-year-old boy sharing a locker room with their 15-year-old daughter yeah. and changing in her presence and competing against her in sports. They didn't sign up for that. Right. They didn't sign up for, for these kids getting, getting abused chemically yeah. and surgically. Yeah. And they're starting to see it. And, and, and there is a pushback. I've known it and, and declared it for many years that the left will overplay its hand, that there will be a pushback. And that, that has been building for several years now the pushback against the extremism because things went further than, than people intended. Yeah. We were warning for years, that's right. where it's gonna go. It has to go in that direction. Because look, if you take truth and multiply it endlessly, you get more truth. Take love and multiply it endlessly, you get more love. Take hate and multiply it endlessly, you have murder and every type of uh, uh, abominable thing. Yeah. Take sexual immorality and multiply it endlessly and you have perversions that the human mind could not even imagine. So once something has a wrong trajectory, it's going to end up in a place of destruction. We're back to the days of Rome. And uh, fortunately, we've got a few Apostle Pauls out there setting up shop. Uh, this is his, his latest book. It's called The Silencing of the Lambs. And Dr. Brown referenced the stream. I want to show you that. This is stream.org, where you can read a lot of his great articles. And then, of course, askdrbrown.org is his website for all things Dr. Brown. Uh, and now you've got a couple of new things I want to want to let you talk about before I let you go. Uh, what's coming out soon? Okay, so the first thing for everybody to remember is April 14th. So it's two days from now. April 14th is now National Not Ashamed of Jesus Day. <laughs> you say, well, shouldn't every day be not ashamed of Jesus? Yeah, but let me give you the strategy behind this. Uh, number one, many of us are not open witnesses. Many of us do not openly proclaim our faith or we kind of hide under the radar with controversies in the workplace or school. Well, this is a day to just let it be known. We're here. We're not ashamed. Mm. We love Jesus. We love you. If you don't have a uniform, if you could wear something, you know, a Jesus shirt or not ashamed of the gospel or Bible verse, or bring a Bible with you or, or look for an opportunity to share the gospel with someone, ask if you could pray for them or post something even more overt on social media. And the, the reason for 414 is Esther 414, where Mordecai challenges Esther and says, who knows? Maybe he came into the kingdom for such a time as this. Mm -hmm. So God positioned us here at this strategic moment in world history and at a critical time in American history, where without a radical change, America, as we know it, could, could well implode. 
And, and you see on this day, once you come out of the closet, maybe you've been one of those under the radar. Well, everybody knows you're a believer now. Now they're gonna to wanna to talk to you and ask questions. And what do you think about this? And what about that? Or it could be you've always been an open witness, but you didn't know how many other people in your company mm. were believers also because there was just no setting to make it known. So this is a day to be encouraged. This is a day to encourage others. And the more the culture tries to silence us, the more we shout out our message with love and with wisdom and with truth. Not ashamed of Jesus.org. If I could ask everyone to take a minute and to go there, not ashamed of Jesus.org. As soon as this, this webcast is over and then look at the ideas. If you're a pastor or leader, we've got a packet of info, spread the word, share it on social media. We don't have a, a, a budget behind doing this. We don't have a PR team. It's just grassroots getting the message out, notashamedofjesus.org. That's the website right there, notashamedofjesus.org. I put it in chat as well to make it easy for you. Uh, and and this is fun. Uh, I like this. And you know, you got a picture of a guy with a smile on his face. That's how we yeah. need to do it with a yes, smile sir. on his face. Dr. Brown, thank you. Is there anything else you want to mention before I let you go? No, uh, let's focus on that for right now. Not ashamed of Jesus.org. God willing, I've got a book coming out in September that we can absolutely have a fun discussion about, but we'll, we'll wait for the momentum to build on that first. Uh, so let's, let's refuse to be silenced. Here's the good news. The church cannot be canceled. The word of God cannot be bound. In him, we are overcomers. The same grace that's with our brothers and sisters around the world being persecuted for the faith, dying for the faith, surely we can take a little opposition here in America. God bless. Love it. Thank you, Dr. Brown. Appreciate Thank you. you. Look forward to talking to you in September. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you all, guys, all you guys out there for hanging out, watching. Uh, hit that uh, website. I mean, that that is cool. Notashamedofjesus.org, uh, as well as Dr. Brown's other websites and, of course, the book, The Silencing of the Lambs. And come back, hit share, hit like, hit follow. We've got more great stuff for you here on Life Today Live. We'll see you next time. But enjoy it. Squeeze all the fun you can out of it. This is your hour. This is your hour. Because it's soon going to end. And truth will be on the throne of your day. Sunday is coming.